0: We begin with the presidential election. The stalemate continues between the KMT and Taiwan People's Party as they seek to broker a joint presidential ticket. On Friday, KMT Chair Eric Chu unveiled two new proposals for
1: deciding who gets top billing. One plan uses a public opinion poll plus a secret ballot of KMT and TPP legislative candidates. The other uses a poll on the candidates and a poll on their parties, giving each result 50% weight. Both proposals were rejected by the TPP's candidate, Koenje.
2: Is a KMT-TPP joint ticket finally coming into shape? KMT Chair Eric Chu has unveiled two new plans for choosing the presidential candidate. One is modelled after Germany, the other after Japan.
3: All party members and party supporters can vote, and the outcome has 50% waiting. In Germany, votes are cast for the individual as well as for a political party. We change it so that everything is done through opinion polls. The KMT has nominated 69 legislative candidates and the TPP has just nominated 11, so we can tell what kind of result we'll get from just looking at the numbers. The other one is the so-called German model. At this stage that would be equivalent to competing in terms of the size of the political parties.
2: Chu proposed a so-called Japanese model. Public opinion polls would be used to compare a ke-ho ticket and a ho-ke ticket against a hypothetical DPP pairing, Lai Qingde and Xiao Bei Kim. The results would have 50 percent weight in the decision. The other 50 percent would go to a secret ballot of KMT and TPP legislative candidates, along with legislators from friendly parties. With the so-called German model, the public would be polled about their preferred ballot lineup. Public support for the KMT and TPP as political parties would also be surveyed. Responding to the proposals, Ke appeared unimpressed. He said he still wants to decide using a nationwide public survey,
3: but that he's willing to make a concession. However, I am willing to offer a concession. If a national public opinion poll is conducted and I come in second outside the scope of statistical error, I am willing to run as a vice presidential candidate. This could be regarded as a political concession. It wasn't I who vetoed a national poll to determine the best presidential candidate. It was everyone in our previous round of talks. This issue has already been concluded. Let's not go back to the starting point. Despite their efforts, the two sides still can't find common ground. KMT
2: candidate Ho Yi was originally slated to talk to the press, but he canceled last minute and has remained silent.
1: Meanwhile, DPP presidential candidate Lai Ching te is forging ahead with a jam-packed campaign schedule. This Saturday, he will go to Tainan, the city he administered as mayor, to launch his local campaign headquarters before rushing to New Taipei in the afternoon. On Sunday,
0: he will visit Taoyuan, Xingzhu and Miaoli to close the gap with voters. With more than 10 stops scheduled in two days, Lai is going full throttle to win support.
3: DPP presidential candidate Lai Ching te spent Thursday in Xinju and Miaoli, Hakka communities that traditionally lean blue. In Miaoli, he stumped for two legislative candidates, emphasizing the need to uphold Taiwan's sovereignty.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: Some people are more clever. They don't directly say they support the 1992 consensus in the One China Principle. Instead, they say they want to sign a services trade agreement with China. If it is signed, it will affect people in all walks of life across all sectors. What's most important in this election, the most important, is resolutely protecting our sovereignty. Only by doing this can our life of democracy, freedom,
3: and human rights continue. Though polls show Lai well in the lead, his support has declined slightly. But according to Japanese scholar Yoshiyuki Ogasawara, this slight drop was due to public attention on joint ticket negotiations between the KMT and Taiwan People's Party. The scholar said that Lai was maintaining a steady momentum, capturing the hearts of voters with his policies.
2: People aged 65 and over need to be taken care of, as well as disadvantaged people and people who are mentally and physically disabled. I will implement Long-Term Care 3.0 and strengthen it. Starting next year, there will be no tuition fees for anyone at high schools and vocational colleges.
3: Lai is campaigning across the island and has a gruelling schedule this weekend. On Saturday morning, he will return to his former constituency of Tainan to inaugurate campaign headquarters there. He'll rush to New Taipei in the afternoon to launch another headquarters and meet a Pingdong hometown association. Sunday is equally packed. He'll be back in Miaoli in the morning and Xinjian Taoyu in the afternoon to launch women-centered campaign groups. With more than 10 stops in two days, Lai is working to win over voters. Taiwan
0: plans to lift its ban on group tours to China starting March 1st. The ban was put in place during the COVID pandemic but it's recently met resistance
1: from Taiwanese tour agencies. So, did the government hear their complaints? Let's hear from an official.
3: Originally, we were going to wait until after the Lunar New Year to announce the resumption on March 1st. We will allow tour groups going to China. And if China sends tour groups to Taiwan, we will host them. Our travel industry's needs are especially urgent, and their operations, in particular, are facing some difficulties. We felt that we should not affect the livelihoods of travel operators. So we made this decision after some discussions. Some people in the industry had been asking us when the ban on group tours would be lifted. They told us if the ban doesn't lift, we will need to fold. We had originally hoped that Taiwan and China would lift their respective bans together, but our industry sees clearly that this will be unlikely.
1: Travel operators can now start to plan, package, and sell tours to China for after March 1, 2024. As for Chinese tours to Taiwan, China still bans its citizens from visiting Taiwan on a group tour basis. But starting March 1st, Taiwan will open its doors to Chinese group tours should Beijing decide to lift the ban. We now give you a special glimpse inside the nervous system of China Airlines, the Airline Operations Center. Every airline has a crew of dispatchers, who make sure that flights can reroute safely in an emergency. Also known as ground pilots,
0: dispatchers are the vital support behind every successful flight. But only 212 people in Taiwan are qualified to do this highly demanding job. Now, for the first time in eight years, China Airlines are hiring for the role. And could it be your next career move? Let's take a look.
4: When an emergency affects a flight path, these are the people who spring into action. A volcano has erupted. They notify plane crews to take on extra fuel to bypass the affected region. Planes already in the air need to alter their routes to avoid the area. The team monitors the operations of all the flights and produce flight plans. The dispatchers are also known as ground pilots.
2: For planes that have already taken off, we communicate with the pilot to see how much fuel they have left and decide whether they will reroute or land at a different airport. It's always very tight for time. Uh,
4: Dispatchers work on a three-shift rotation, so the team monitors flights 24-7. The screens of the dispatch center show updates of airport news and real-time weather data. Dispatchers need to digest all this data fast to draw on it for a new flight plan at any time.
2: Patience and resilience under stress are important qualities. Few of my colleagues had a background in this before coming here. We all started from square one. Every dispatcher has to join a pilot in the cabin once a year, which is, I think, a very interesting part of the job.
4: A dispatcher takes two or three years to train up, starting as a flight operations officer. After gaining some experience, they can take a test with the Civil Aviation Administration to join an official dispatcher's class. There are only 212 qualified dispatchers in Taiwan, of whom 50 work for China Airlines. They've readjusted to the upsurge of flights since the end of the pandemic and recently advertised new job vacancies for the first time in eight years.
2: The starting salary for new colleagues is about 43 to 45,000 NT.
4: Next time you step into an airplane, now you know the team on the ground that's giving your pilot indispensable backup.
2: Deep beneath
0: the Pacific Ocean, vast metal deposits crucial for renewable energy
1: are waiting to be harvested by mining companies. However, the potential ecological impact of mining in this massive area, roughly half the size of the continental United States, remains uncertain. Voice of America's Steve Barragona reports.
5: These black rocks are loaded with some of the most important minerals in the world today, including cobalt, manganese and nickel. Canada-based The Metals Company gathered them from off the deep seabed some 5,000 meters down. The company has access to about 1.6 billion tons of them, according to CEO Gerard Barron. That's enough
1: to be able to build 280 million mid-sized electric vehicle batteries, so not to electrify the entire USA passenger fleet.
5: As the world transitions away from fossil fuels, the demand for metals is increasing. Meeting global climate goals will require roughly 20 times more nickel and cobalt by 2040 than are used now. The
1: focus has to be on where can we get a supply of these metals that is secure, but also with the lightest planetary and human impact.
5: Estimates say there's more of these metals on the seabed than in all of the reserves on land. And Barron says they come without the human exploitation that plagues cobalt mining in the top producer, the Democratic Republic of Congo, or the rainforest raising seen in the leading nickel supplier, Indonesia. But there will be environmental consequences. The deep sea floor is one of the world's most extreme environments, but it's not lifeless. You land on the seabed, it, it, to be brutally honest, it doesn't look
4: like there's much life there. You see the nodules, you see mud. It's only when you sieve those muds on a fine sieve and pick the nodules up and look at them down a microscope at the surface,
5: you discover that there's quite a lot of biodiversity in it. Glover's team recently identified more than 5,000 never-before-seen species. How they all fit into the ocean ecosystem is a big unknown. Also unknown is how the noise, light, and plumes of mud from mining operations would affect ocean life. The International Seabed Authority is working on regulations for this new industry. Glover and others are advising it, including on where to put refuges. But the metals company says it plans to submit a mining application late next year, bringing the controversy over deep-sea mining back to the surface. Steve Barragona, VOA News. Honghai,
1: which is facing a tax audit in China, has rejected rumors that it owes the Chinese government 180 billion yuan in back taxes. The social media rumors allege that Hai must pay back the hefty sum, which is approximately 792 billion NT. They also claim that
0: 20,000 acres of Honghai's land in China will be confiscated by the state. The Taiwanese tech firm has issued a social media post and market announcement to refute the claims. It emphasized that all the rumors were false and that it reserved the right to take legal action.
3: Tax authorities recently launched a tax investigation into Foxconn's major enterprises in Guangdong, Jiangsu and other areas. Honghai,
2: also known as Foxconn, is under investigation in China over its taxes and land use. The probe has drawn attention on both sides of the strait. According to the latest rumor, Foxconn owes China 792 billion NT in back taxes.
3: Terry Gou must be feeling tormented as of late. Foxconn was audited by China's tax authorities and now the results are out. They're demanding payment from Foxconn, which owes 180 billion yuan in back taxes. Responding to the online
2: rumor, Hai published a denial on the Chinese microblogging site Weibo. It said the false rumor was seriously damaging to the group's reputation. It said it reserved the right to take action against online accounts that were spreading the information. The company also put out a market announcement, calling on the public to report all false
3: articles. It stressed that it reserved the right to pursue legal action. I no longer concern myself with Honhai's operations. Don't ask me what's going on with Honhai. When have you seen me concern myself with Honhai's affairs? I am retired. The attitude we all need to adopt is my accounts are an open book, come and order them anytime. It's very normal for China to investigate accounts. Remarking on the investigation, Far Eastern Group Chair
2: Douglas Xu urged the public not to read into a routine occurrence. Even so, many see it as China's attempt to force Terry Go out of the presidential election.
0: Taidong’s Tiehua Music Village will shut down at the end of the year, according to its operator. For more than 13 years, the music enclave has provided a stage for indigenous musicians and been a vital engine for tourism
1: in Taidong. Its operator and founder, the lovely Taiwan Foundation, announced the closure on social media, leaving many locals surprised and dismayed.
2: A local band plays as the audience sways and sings along. For more than 13 years, Taidong's Tiehua Music Village has drawn visitors from all corners with its concerts, cultural activities and markets. Amei, Bobby Chen and Zhang Zhenyue are just a few of the stars who have graced its stage. But the cultural center will close down at the end of the year, according to its operator, the Lovely Taiwan Foundation. <laughs>
3: I'm very sad, it's very hard to let go because this has been a wonderful space for the music scene here in Taidong I myself grew up here, I really feel it's such a shame, for now it's hard to imagine what it would be like without Tiehua Music Village, what the neighbourhood will be like. <laughs> I feel like crying because this place holds so many memories for musicians, including newcomers. So many training courses were held here, so I feel that the music of Dong will gradually disappear. Losing this stage is a shame. We were also very sorry to hear about the operator's departure, but we've always had an overall plan for this entire area, and that plan includes the music community of Tie Music Village. After the village closes, we will revisit our plan to see how we can use this space to better showcase Taidong's features, its unique characteristics. As for the reason behind the closure, the lovely Taiwan
2: Foundation said its goal had been to build a strong community that uplifts Taiwan. It said that the village development was now mature, marking a mission well accomplished. And with that, it said it was bringing the project to an end.
1: The 2023 Hot Spring Festival in Taipei is underway. This year, organizers invited 500 people from Japan's Matsuyama City, which is famous for its ancient hot spring, the Dogo Onsen. The guests brought four grand
0: palanquins from across the sea. These palanquins will appear on the streets of Taipei in ceremonies that pray for good fortune. On Saturday and Sunday, four palanquin ceremonies will unfold at three venues— Xinbei Tou MRT Station, the Ciyu Temple in Songshan District, and the Taipei City Hall Square. Traffic controls will be in place, and locals are invited to come and experience Japanese culture up close. Today, we meet a professional childminder and caring expert. Kong Yue Cui, the native of China's Zhejiang province, moved to Taiwan more than 20 years ago. When her husband passed away, she began her career in caring,
1: picking up a huge array of professional skills. Now she's one of the most well respected nannies in Taidong, but she's not ready to stop learning yet. Now she's studying social work with National Open University. Learning is what life's all about for Kong, and Taiwan's wealth of educational opportunity makes everything possible. <laughs> With a toddler in each arm, Kong
2: Yue Cui plays games with her charges while staying alert to their needs at all times. With all her experience, she knows if someone's hungry, needs their diaper changed, or isn't feeling so well. She's one of Taitong's most in demand home
4: nannies. Taking care of children has to be personalized. Every baby is unique.
2: Kong came to Taiwan to be with her husband more than 20 years ago. After he died, she learned how to live independently, earning a raft of official qualifications. Her certificates hang on the wall, proving her stellar academic record.
4: I have a third class certificate in Chinese cooking, both with meat and vegetarian, a caring qualification, and a certificate in postpartum medicinal cuisine. I try to study as much as possible. It doesn't matter if I I don't end up using it, although of course it's best if I can use it. There will always be an occasion to use it one day.
2: All those skills complement her current nannying work. She can prepare nutritious solids for babies. If the children are crying or restless or have a health problem, she can assess the issue straight away and she communicates with parents on an app.
4: I share information with the mothers on this app. I let them know what they need to remember in the evening, like any changes in the baby's physical health or how much milk we drank changes in the temperature. We can stay on top of it all in real time and that helps the mothers as they can always see updates.
2: And Keng is still studying in her free time. Her current goal is a social work qualification from National Open University.
4: Learning is lifelong. It's a great blessing to be able to take classes. And it's great to be able to give back to society if it's within your power.
2: Over the years, Kung has gone from a beginner to a true expert in the field of caring. She says Taiwan's educational opportunities are astonishing. If you love learning like she does, the sky is the limit.
1: Taiwan's godfather of racing is also a proud dad. Motorsport legend Jing-San Chen and his daughter Betty Chen made their racing debut together this August, competing in the Malaysia Circuit of the 2023 Be Quick Thailand Super Series. The father-daughter duo finished second in the GT3
0: AM category. Although the younger Chen was crushed at not winning the title, Chen couldn't be more pleased with his daughter's performance
3: we drove together in this race we both gave it everything we had i wanted to show off for my daughter and she wanted to show off for me i got us started and handed the car over to her while we were in the lead she drove hard but in the second to last or the final lap she slipped from first to second place and she was devastated our racing team has always been stronger than the other team. Our team is like a big family. All the drivers are like family members, and we've always gotten along.
0: Jin Chen is the leader of Taiwan's only international professional racing team. He's been instrumental to building up motorsports in Taiwan. He told FTV that he wants to compete more with his daughter and to achieve even better results.